0: that's noom.com to sign up for your trial today
1: How's it going and welcome to episode 107 of On the Wire proud member of the Pictureless podcast network Follow the pod on the Twitter at on the wire pod you can follow myself as well at 80 grade that's all spelled out and today we are going to be closing out our category preview episodes by focusing on the category that really encompasses all categories, and that is our wild card category. We typically end every show during the regular season talking about guys that we might want to stash we might want to just hold on to for a week maybe grab a little week early to see where they go sometimes they're injured guys sometimes they're prospects sometimes it's a backup closer it can fit into pretty much anything and usually this is the kind of player that you're stashing for the first couple of weeks of the season during draft season so typically their prospect stashes. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. In order to do that, we I brought in Scott Green from the president of Prospects 1500. He so happens to put out a very popular fantasy-focused podcast that knocked us right out of the bracketology of uh, the baseball pods, bracketology. So that was a ton of fun. It really, as they said on Twitter, it came down to the wire on the wire, <laughs> if you will. So that was a nice little plug you guys gave us on that. So I took that as concession speech, if you will. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> the entire, Scott and his entire crew over at 1500, they know prospects and they just published their aggr- aggregated top prospect list. So I'm sure we'll get plenty of talk into that. But before we get into that and all the stashes that we could be looking into, Scott, Thanks for joining me, man, and it's a pleasure to have a feather fellow Western, at least originally Western Mass person on the show, so thanks for coming on.
2: Yes, thanks for having me on. I'm a Western Mass transplant, actually. I grew up in Eastern Mass, but oh, now, wow. West, now Western <laughs> Mass is home, and I love it. Not too far from Boston, not too far from Hartford, not too far from New York. Albany, so it's right there. You know.
1: Oh, yeah. I grew up in Western Mass. So I was the other way. I grew up, went to high school and all that, and then I moved to Eastern Mass. I moved to Boston, and then okay. I moved completely across the country to all Oakland, right. California, and now I live in Indianapolis, so I've been all over. I did spend a year in Dunedin, Florida, where the yeah. Blue Jays play, and I- As lovely as an experience as that was working for the Blue Jays in 2006, I never want to go back. So I would gladly move back to Springfield, Massachusetts or right outside of Springfield, Massachusetts before I move back to outside of Tampa, Florida.
2: All right, there you go. I love vacationing in
1: Tampa. There we go. Especially
2: spring training in Clearwater and (laughs) Geneva.
1: No, exactly. Nine months was plenty of time to soak it all in and I made minimal money. So I very, very rarely went out. And did not get to take advantage of the beaches, the Clearwater Beach, which is like one of the top beaches in the country, supposedly. But enough of all that. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
2: Thank you for having me. Thanks for that plug for Futures Focus. That was pretty cool for us the other day and came down to the wire, like you said. And that was really close. And the two of us, our two shows, got the most votes that day in the mm-hmm. baseball pods, bracketology, we were over 500 total votes, which I think is pretty amazing. We've got a really, really tough matchup coming up against the number two seed, the tool shed with Eric and Chris over there. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, we're going to need all the help we can get, but <laughs> I'm so excited to be here and we're going to talk fantasy. We're going to talk redraft. We're going to talk dynasty. We're going to talk prospects.
1: Yes, there you go. That's why you're here. That's that's the best part. I love ending the off on something like this as well. Obviously, we do fab throughout the course of the season, talking about guys we want to pick up that can help us week to week. But when we, before we get into all that, I mean, I like I've been in my dynasty league personally since 2001. It's what I grew up in the fan, playing fantasy baseball doing, and then I moved into redraft over the years. And so to talk prospects and to talk dynasty aspects even when you're transferring the dynasty aspects of the game into redraft can be a lot of fun. I'm glad you're here. We can talk about this stuff. Yes. But we do have some news and so I curated the news this week almost specifically to to prospect related news. And it's easy to do that this time of year just because Players are being cut. The guys that are getting the head NRIs are getting cut or getting they're still there or they're getting sent down to AAA to the minors spring training or they're being cut altogether or they're excelling. So a lot of news going around on that. So let's start off with something that's not so prospect-related. Get that out of the way. And then we'll move on to a couple of other ones. But first and foremost, I don't know if you saw but Brandon Crawford, he reported some knee discomfort earlier in the week. The Giants had him shut down for the remainder. Is this something is this some if this something that lingers for him for the Giants starting shortstop because of course they did not actually sign Carlos Correa who do you think gets extra playing time in the middle up the middle for the Giants
2: Crawford is that's all a bat that they've had in the lineup for years now he's not one of those top shortstops you're going to take on draft day but he's certainly not down in the lower he seems to be after I do a draft over the last few years he seems to be one of those first available shortstop free agents sure. that I see out there. Right off the top of my head, I'm thinking Tyro Estrada as a fill-in shortstop, but he's already in that lineup. I think they've moved him around a bunch, and I don't know if he's an outfielder or whatnot, but I'm, I think this might even help one of the guys that I was going to mention a little later, but it might help Brett Wisely, who's an infielder, came over from the Tampa organization and he's been having a good spring and he's still with the major league club has not been sent down to the minors yet. And I don't know that he can play shortstop, but they may be able to move some other people around and get wisely in that lineup.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. As far as like in this kind of situation, I agree. They already have shortstop or guys that can at least stand in the shortstop position and make it look passable in Tyro Estrada and others. But Yeah, I like the idea of going outside and seeing who's performing well for the Giants who could, this could be their opening to make the opening day club. And whether or not that just solidifies Estrada into everyday playing time rather than maybe a platoon role where he's moving around a little bit more. That's also something to keep in mind. Estrada's already going as like a top 20, 25 shorts to off the board. And so most of the time he's being drafted as someone's middle infield spot, which is totally viable. And the positional eligibility is clutch usually at this stage of the game. So it's just something to monitor as we move forward, as we move through spring training closer to the end of the spring training into the season. All right, let's get into some prospect notes that I've noticed that come across my desk. And i love to get your take on these, Scott. Blue Jays' Ricky Teeterman has shut down with shoulder soreness. You've seen Tieneman pitch out in Hartford. You told me right before we started recording, do you see Toronto... from everything I've heard, I've not seen Tienerman pitch, but from everything I've heard, Toronto seems to be handling him with kid's gloves, at least they were last year. Do you see that being the case going into 2022 or do you see him being the type where, "Hey, we need this kind of talent in the rotation. We're going to push him as hard as we can and get those bullets in Toronto rather than Where's their AAA? A? It's New um, Nashua. No, Nashua's Double A. That's, yeah.
2: that's it's Manchester, Manchester. New Hampshire Fisher Cats, yes. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, that's Double A.
1: Their AAA is... Oh, it's Buffalo. Buffalo. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So how do you see Bruno kind of dealing with him?
2: It's still keeping those kids' gloves on. Mm-hmm. It, there, I cannot see them pushing. He's one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball. I still think he needed a full year in AA, AAA this year. I, I didn't know if he was going to make his debut in 2023. When I saw him in... It was the third week of August and he only pitched 4 innings. They didn't even they were not pushing him in double A. He had 4 innings and he looked really good, walked a couple and struck out 6, but with the shoulder soreness you can like this with top pitcher prospects, you've got to be careful. And for redraft leagues, if you're in a 10 to 12 team redraft league and it's not even a keeper league, probably not picking him.
1: Just seems like it'd be wasting a roster spot for maybe, if not the entire season, at least the first like half to three quarters of the season. Exactly. Um,
2: now, I did take Tiedemann, and this was before the injury. It was a couple of weeks ago, but it was in a NFBC format where the draft is the be-all, end-all, and you don't get any other picks. So,
1: yeah, there's a draft after hold. the draft,
2: sure. draft and hold, and I took Tiedemann in like the fortieth round.
1: Yeah, there you go. Before any kind of injury, it kind of looked like he might, they might have a spot for him and they might have, before Kikuchi started doing really well in spring training, it looked like that fifth spot could actually be open. But between the injury and what Kikuchi has been doing, it doesn't, definitely not for opening day, to say right. the least. All right, let's move over to Washington then, where a starter, Kate Cavalli, he felt something in his throwing elbow. At the time of me writing this, I said, hey, we're waiting an MRI. We obviously know what came from the MRI. He is having Tommy John, and I think he actually might have already had it by the time we we're recording this. Do you have any thoughts on him long-term due to this, and then any other previous concerns you might have had in the past? Is this kind of a uh, I know lots of pitchers have Tommy John. They come back for it, and they're either fine, doesn't always come back fine. This is a young kid. He can heal up. What's your take on him long-term? Obviously, not a consideration for 2023.
2: You know what? It's a good question. He, I like Cade Cavalli. I saw him pitch in the Futures game. It was a few years ago. In Was it a couple years ago in Denver? Yeah. And he looks like a good top pitching prospect. He came in at number 76 overall on our Prospects 1500-dated top 199 lists that we did, but it's funny you ask me about him. We had, let's see, I think it was 20, let's see, 23 different writers from my site that submitted their top 100 lists and he showed up on 18 of them. He was not on my top 100. He's probably somewhere in the 110 to 125 range for me. How does this affect... His value in dynasty leagues, it's probably going to knock him down a few notches. And I just hope he, he'll come back strong a year, or a year and a half from now.
1: Let me get in a dynasty. This is not Cavalli specifically, but guys that are in his boat who obviously has some talent. They were high up on prospect lists, whether they're yours or others at one point. Now, obviously they have Tommy John in there. And we can't even be looking at them for at least another 18 months to two years from now, especially at the major league level. Are you the one to swoop in and try to buy low in this situation in a dynasty league? Or are you one to, if you are already roster them, are you selling? Are you okay to sell low in this situation?
2: I think it depends on your format and your league settings. There are some dynasty leagues. I created our Diamond Duos deep dynasty leagues back in 2013, and we're now on our sixth league that started a couple years ago. And weeks that if you promote a prospect and then they're in the majors, you could have that player on our league minimum for four years, and then you could extend him another couple years on a prospect tag, and then you could add another like a franchise tag. So in certain leagues, you can keep players for four to eight years or more. Some dynasty leagues are forever leagues. And then I know that there are some other keeper leagues where you can keep guys for three, two, or one year. All depends on the league. If you're in a league that you can keep Cavalli, for anywhere from another three to four years or more, definitely. I think he's a top 100 prospect. So if you can stash him, if you've got extra IL spots, if you can keep him in the minors, the league format is it's going to be case by case. I I really believe, but I, if you can hold on to him, I would hold on to him and just have 2023 as a goose egg.
1: Lost egg, lost year, sure. Yes. All right, let's move on to somebody with a little bit more positive spin here. Aaron Boone recently. This is the quote is saying that the possibility of shortstop prospect Anthony Volpe breaking camp with the Yankees is definitely in the cards. There's a lot of rumors and talk that the players really want to see him. I'm getting a lot of vibes from when Tatis ended up breaking camp with the Padres, where he obviously had a really great spring and all the players were talking him up and wanting him to start. Got that from the Bobby Witt situation in Kansas City last year as well. And now I'm hearing, I'm just getting this feeling that we're getting that same kind of vibe in New York or. In Tampa, with with the Yankees and Volpe, it, as a prospect, as a as a soon to be major league shortstop in, in Anthony Volpe, if you knew he was starting opening day, or you know he was going to be up after the time manipulation period of two to three weeks, if you knew that, they, you were told that, and you're drafting right now, how how further up boards would you expect him to go, and then how further up would you be willing? to jump him just to put it in perspective looking at online championships those are 12 teamers on the NFBC platform since March 1st there's been 46 of those drafts and he is the 28th shortstop off the board in that time period ADP of just under 300 in the 295 range some shortstops that are going below some younger shortstops that are going right below him or before him Oswald Peraza teammate at 267, 25th shortstop off the board. C.J. Abrams, the 22nd. Ezekiel Tovar in Colorado, he's the 20th going at 223. And then jump all the way to 17, we have Nico Horner, who obviously is going to get second base eligibility on top of that, at 140 overall ADP, 17th shortstop off the board. Would you be pushing Volpe above any of these guys, knowing that he was going to be the starting shortstop, and then assuming he would be getting, if they're going to call him up, He's playing every day.
2: I think I would bump him up definitely five to 10 spots in the shortstop list. I'm looking at the NF, and you mentioned some numbers there. I'm looking at some NFBC average draft pick for a 12 team. I don't know that it's the online championships list that you are referencing, but behind Luis Garcia, Washington, Hassan Kim, San Diego, Jorge Mateo, Baltimore, even Bryson Stott, Philly, Mm -hmm. I'd bump him above those guys. I'd have him in that Ezekiel Tovar range and somewhere around the early 20s of shortstops. And I still think he needs more time in AAA. Like, I'm not ready that he's a major leaguer at this point. But to answer your question, I do bump him up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I've been jumping him up a little bit myself just because it's the old adage that if a player, if a team really wants to see a player succeed, They're going to want to see them as much as possible. The last time I looked, Volpe was on the same kind of route as Julio Rodriguez was last year, and he's leading the Yankees in plate appearances during the spring. They've been keeping him—they've been putting him leadoff like they did with Judge during the regular season last year just because they wanted to give Judge as much opportunity to hit home runs as possible, and you do that by putting him in the leadoff spot so they can get plate appearances— Volpe's the same thing. They've been leading him off during spring training, giving every opportunity to succeed. And he has been. He's been tearing the cover off the ball in lieu of like in the same way that Jordan Walker is for Kansas, for St. Louis. And so this is somebody that I'm definitely looking at drastically, especially since all the terms, all the word that that you hear all around that shortstop is so deep. You don't have to worry about shortstop. It's one of those things where it's deep until it's not. And this happens every, I feel like this happens every year for shortstop personally, is you feel so confident about it because there's so many good shortstops out there. There's 12, 15 really good shortstops. You're going to, more than likely, you're going to get one of them. But the shortstops you're going to find on the wire are Brandon Crawford as you mentioned earlier yes. and that's in a 12 teamer it's like the replacement value on the wire for shortstop not that great so i definitely personally want to have two solid shortstops in my lineup more than likely a shortstop in my in my middle infield spot if that position is in your fantasy roster so volpe is somebody that i'm definitely looking at to fill that spot
2: i think that if you can if you have room on your roster and you're considering guys like cj abrams or ezekiel tovar Even his teammate Oswald peraza i would take volpe right in the same ballpark as those players
1: yeah and that's not big that's not a big jump right now tovar is the biggest of that group going at 223 adp that's only a a few rounds and at that point in the draft a few rounds is not a big deal if you like a guy you got to jump those rounds for sure all right the last note here i'm going to talk about is just the general sense that we're starting to get to a point where teams are starting to make their cuts they're starting to cut down from like 50 some odd players in spring training down to 43 sometimes lower than. 40 and we saw this recently at least this week oakland they sent down jj Blade, who they just traded for aj puck or yeah for aj puck since he sent down christian and carcy on strand and ellie de la cruz obviously big name prospects that everybody's aware of if you're playing any sort of dynasty aspect toronto they sent down a martinez spencer horwitz and the aforementioned ricky t after that injury they're shutting them down they might as well send them down too among others all across the league so My question, though, is that there are still some prospects out there that are that either aren't like Anthony Volpe, not on the 40 man roster. He's still in camp. Jordan Walker, not on the 40 man walker. He's still in camp. Are there besides those two big names that we hear about all the time? Are there any other prospects still out there in spring training, whether they're on the 40 man or not, regardless, that have your interest that you've been watching? And then you think, hey, you know what? These guys are doing just enough that they now I'm interested in them for reach because. They didn't make that first line of cuts. They're still there. They could actually break camp.
2: There are five players that I have. One that we already spoke about in Brett Wisely, the Giants. Another one who was just recently sent down to AAA. Not double A, AA, but triple A is my guy Sedan Rafaela in the Red Sox. He had a breakout season last year mm-hmm. in high A and double A. And I thought he'd go back to double A, but they're starting him in triple A. I think he is a guy that you might want to claim especially in a redraft league if you've got an open spot or if you've got something like in one of my dynasty leagues we have something called ap like an auxiliary player and you can draft a player and you can actually reserve them for the whole year if you want and then you get a discount on the keeper value or you can play them and just you don't get a
1: discount your taxi Uh, squad
2: yes exactly so say don rafael is a guy that could make his debut this year but the other three they're still in camp and they have a chance to break with the major league team. Dylan Dodd is going for the fifth spot in the Braves rotation, and I think he's been battling Jared Schuster. So he's a good one. Oscar Colas, the White Sox, they're saying that he's going to break camp and be in the starting White Sox outfield, and he's got some great tools. And the other guy is Brett Wisely's teammate, Blake Sabal, catcher. I saw him play in the Arizona Fall League, which was really cool. I like him a lot, and he came over from Pittsburgh. And he's battling, he's a catcher, but they might be able to play him at some other positions too. So those are definitely, those are good prospect names.
1: I like the Sable call just because he's that he's that sneaky catcher that he's so far down draft list. If if you're just in a draft room, you've got to scroll. You got to do the use the search bar to find him because you're not going to find him when he comes up at a certain point. And Joey Bart's been holding his own, but the fact the fact that like you said, he can play outfield as well. Rule five pick just this year, only one of I believe two players that got picked in the rule five draft this year, and it's always interesting when you see, cause obviously rule five, you see a whole bunch of pitchers go. Obviously we saw that, that word, from the Red Sox go, Noah Song go, Ellie yeah. Ward go to Washington, obviously. We see a lot of pitchers go in the Rule 5 draft. Not usually a lot of positional players. Obviously, Akil Badu, one of the most recent ones that, that, we, that we've seen succeed, at least at one point. I like to see Sabal do just that in San Francisco. And is definitely looking, he's at least doing enough on the field to warrant, he's got to be on the roster, right? Yes. He's doing enough on the, on, in, in spring training to not send him back.
2: <laughs> Correct. Correct. Hey, wasn't Oduble Herrera a Rule 5 guy? I don't know. I years look, ago?
1: That would not surprise me.
2: Check that
1: one. I think he was. <laughs> but Sabal, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was actually drafted in the Rule 5 draft by Cincinnati, which seemed like really exciting. And then Cincinnati, before, they, before the ink was dry, they traded him to San Francisco. So, of course, oh, this looks great. Let's put him in a uh, great American small park. Now it's putting him in the complete opposite of that in San Francisco, but at least it looks like he might have some opportunity. Definitely a sneaky catcher spot. If you're looking for, if you're like me in my current draft where I've not drafted my second catcher yet, and I, you just, you feel like rolling the dice on somebody. He'd be somebody to look at for that second catcher spot. And if it looks like he's not going to get regular playing time, he's an easy first cut and you grab what, whoever happens to still be on the wire that nobody wanted to draft. And maybe, maybe, There's a clear position out there for one of the free agents. Exactly. All right. We are going to let's move on from these uh, news notes and thoughts. Move on to talking a little bit about the prospect 1500 aggregated prospect list. You call it the top 199. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But first, we do have to take a quick break.
0: Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes. But the problem is, managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow That's noom.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, we are back. You're still listening to On The Wire. I am Adam Howe. This week, I am joined... By Scott Green of Prospects 1500. And Scott, you guys just published your 2023, you call it the ag- your aggregated prospect list. It ended up this year being 199 players. I love it because when you go to your site and you go to your list, it's always a different number. And, and this year it ended up being at 199. And I love that you had enough confidence that you're like, I. I'm not going to just add one random player to that (laughs) to make it an even 200. It's, It's a little bit of mystery involved into who that 200 could have been. But this list is a little different than what you buy from others in the industry, whether it be individuals putting it out or sites that put out theirs. Can you talk to me about how that gets how that comes together and then why you think why you ended up doing it this way?
2: Yeah, I appreciate a couple minutes to let me explain that. So if you go to prospects1500.com, right at the top of the page, you'll see right on the main navigation bar, it says top 199 prospects. So it's very easy to get to. I've been doing these with my staff for about five years. We launched the site back in December of 2016, and we published our first top 50 prospect lists for every organization in January of 2017. But this is an idea that that I had. And I said, let's utilize this great staff that, that we have. And it was about, it was almost a couple of years later, December of 2018, when we did our first aggregated list. And at that time, I think I had about 17 or 18 writers that participated. And then we've built it up since then. So what we do is I ask my staff, and I have over 40 writers that contribute to the site, and we got almost 30 this year. I think we had, oh, it was 23. It was 23 this season, this off-season. And my writers submit their personal top 100 lists. And every person, every prospector, every Dynasty League player, and every writer on my site, we all have different ways of evaluating prospects, and we all rank Differently, And there are going to be guys that are certainly consensus top top 10 players, but we all have a different type of 100. So every single prospect that gets ranked on one of our top 100s will make our overall list, even if they're ranked on one or two of the 23 lists that we have. And so you asked about who would be number 200. I have no idea. Because it would have needed to be another player that was ranked on somebody's top 100 list. And then they would have been 200th player. So I don't know who that would be, but what we do is we take points. So the guy that I've ranked number one gets hundred points and the guy that I ranked number two gets 99 points, so on and so forth, all the way down to the player I've ranked 100 and he gets one point. And then we cu- accumulate all those points across the board for all 23 of our writers to get the overall total points. And this is basically how we list our rankings. And Corbin Carroll, with a possible 2,300 points, he came in first overall with 2,288. And it was very close between he and Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles, who had 2,281. He only had seven fewer overall total points, so he comes in at second on our list And then Jordan Walker was the only other player with over 2,200 points. He had 2,246 and he came in third. So what I will say about our list, I think it's really unique. It's really cool to look at. Is it the best? No. Is it the be all end all? No. Do I think it's better than some other list where it might be put together by just one or two people and they share it? I do. But it's just something really cool to look at. And I think it's unique in the industry.
1: It's definitely unique. I think what's interesting is that you have the opportunity of, of giving weights if you wanted to. If you had a writer who's been with you guys for five years, having their weight or having your list be weighted more. But you don't, it doesn't seem like you do that. It seems like everybody's list, all 23 writer lists, they their number one prospect gets 100 points, regardless of whether or not they've either been m- more successful over the years in predicting success for prospects or not. So it really evens the playing field as far as wanting to get different takes. Like you said, everybody looks at prospects a little bit differently, whether they're heavy on one position, they're heavy on certain kind of skill set, if they've seen a lot of players or if they're just, they're scouting numbers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. So I like that you're able to meld all that together into one list.
2: And something I'd like to add is with our list, we actually provide a link to the spreadsheet that shows every one of the writers top 100. So if you just scroll down the list and you see, you, you see the name and the position and then the team and the total points, you see the high rank and the low rank, and then you see how many lists that they were included on. And the first two players that were not on all 23 lists are number 30, Kyle Harrison, left-handed pitcher in the Giants organization. And number mm-hmm. 31 Andy Rodriguez, catcher, in the pirate system, two awesome players, and they were both ranked on 22 of the 23 lists. So you might be reading this and saying, who the heck didn't rank those guys? And I'm not going to throw you that right now, but you could go on the site and click the link and scroll over to see which of the writers, and then reach (laughs) out to them on Twitter and ask them. (laughs) And we've had that happen.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely, that's just the nature of publishing anything. You find, and you
2: can ask, you can ask Alex Sanchez about that later about his catchers that he didn't rank but i'm not throwing anyone under the bus
1: but no of course not i'll talk to him later on tonight yeah but i think you said that it shows like the high and like the min and the max it's like looking at an adp list during a certain period of time it's like all right there's less variability between how these 23 writers think about prospect b compared to this other guy was like somebody ranked him 10 and another one ranked him 98 for whatever reason and so it's there's something to be said about that as far as like volatility i I know I have my own personal like aggregated prospect list where it's like I'm going to different sites and I'm seeing what everybody's like looking at and I aggregate it on my own little spreadsheet. I literally Mm -hmm. did the same thing that you guys do at 1500 as into one list just for my own personal biases. And so it's interesting to see a a reputable site doing it in the same way that I'm doing it. I'm just giving myself a pat on the back for my own. That's right, absolutely. (laughs) Do you find there to be any kind of, Any differences in usage for your list for, I know you guys, obviously we're talking prospects, so this is usually directed toward Dynasty, but on a redraft scale, do you find that there's the rankings of the majority of your writers or a minority of your writers rank based on proximity? Is there any weights that you could think to give toward those looking at your list, using it for a redraft standpoint?
2: That's a great question. I will, I would like to speak for my staff, even though I'm probably shouldn't be doing that, but I would say that 90% of us are ranking based for dynasty leagues. Mm -hmm. Something that we, we say on our site and it's in disclaimers is that we do lean fantasy baseball over real life. So you'll get some prospect ranking lists out there on other sites that might, even MLB, I think MLB's top prospects and MLB pipeline, they're ranking their players based on real life and where they're lined up in the organization. And our top 50 lists for each team, and then this overall top 199 prospects are really leaning for fantasy baseball, mostly dynasty leagues. Looking at players that you want to have over the next five to 10 years. And are there going to be some that definitely you want to pick up in a redraft? Sure. I'm in the middle of a long time 20 plus year league and I manage a team with a buddy of mine and not everyone, it's only a 10 team league, but not everyone in the league is educated on the prospects. They know I run a site and (laughs) they're always one of the guys. He picked Jordan Walker right before my buddy and I were going to pick because he knew that we were probably looking at him somewhere. It was like the 10th or 11th round after 120 keepers were already slotted into the draft so we didn't get walker but it just came back to us a few rounds later and i'm like josh we've got to take ellie de la cruz so we took ellie de la cruz we can decide if we want to ap him which is what i mentioned to you a little earlier in the podcast or if he's going to be in AAA and he's going to be up this year then maybe we don't ap him and we're going to play him and i'm considering that as a kind of redraft but i know that we can keep him for three years if we want to there are definitely players on the list that you could pick out that are going to be good for this year but mostly dynasty for our site and our rankings
1: that's fair that's fair all right, we are going to talk a lot about some players that are being in. Maybe they shouldn't be drafted in redrafts uh, going into twenty twenty three. That kind of fit either the rookie or prospect mold, or they're very close to it. They maybe they a couple of them just lost rookie eligibility, but I think the majority of these guys on this list either. Most of them still have it. So we're going to get into all of them. We're going to play the fun little game that I like to play. It's called Ask with a bunch of different positions with all these guys that are getting drafted, typically past ADP 300. We're going to get to this little game of Ask right after this.
0: When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. And that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization And based on a sample of 4,272 Numers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, Scott, we're back. We're going to get right into it. We're going to play a little game. Like I said, we're, we call it Ask. It's Avoid Stream keep my our version of mfk and then i'll leave it just as the initials this is a pictureless friendly podcast as well what works is that you've got a couple groups of players in front of you we'll go group by group in there based on positions of they're all based on these are all players that are typically would be considered to be stashes right now they might be stashes you might be pretty confident that they're going to be up opening day you might think that they might not make it at all so that'll go into your decision making process of whether you're going to a avoid them all season you have to pick one of these guys that you would avoid you'd never be able to pick them up you might be dead wrong halfway through the season but too bad you said you were going to avoid them you couldn't pick them up you one guy you can stream so you can pick up drop, pick up, drop throughout the course of the season. And then one, but you couldn't keep them on your roster for more than like a week or two. And then the other one you have to keep, you'd have to draft, you'd have to keep them on your roster. You'd feel that you're feeling that confident, at least compared to the other two players in the group that you would keep them all season long and they would be beneficial to your roster. So, Let's let's get into Alex's favorite subject, catchers, first. The, of course, the host of Fantasy Focus, and anybody listening now, you can go over and listen to the most probably the, at this point the most recent Fantasy Focus. Or I will be playing a little game with him as well on that. So I look forward to that recording that later on tonight and seeing exactly how that goes. So let's get into our first group Scott these are catchers that are all going pretty late in drafts you're looking at, at least post three post three hundred ADP. we have in San Francisco we have Joey Bart we have Bo Naylor in Cleveland who has already apparently been sent down as well and then we have N.D. Rodriguez top catching prospect out of Pittsburgh and a lot of people have been drafting him thinking he could take over that spot so what would we, we're talking strictly 2023 redraft no keeper This is one year only. How would you rank these guys in our little game here?
2: This is really hard. And I've heard you do this game before. I'm like, oh, I'd love to do that. Now I'm looking at these players. I'm like, (laughs) oh my God. I just have to go with my gut here. My gut is that Endy's going to be up. He's a stud and I don't want to lose out on him. And if I've got a roster spot and it's post 300, I'm going in order here. ASK. I'm going to avoid Joey Bart. I'm going to stream Bo Naylor and I'm going to keep Endy Rodriguez. And I could be totally wrong, but that's that well, that's was my the point of the game. My, that, that's my gut.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's funny that you do it in that order because Joey Bart is the most guaranteed to be right. actually playing I'm thinking, opening why day. Why
2: am I avoiding him? He's a starting catcher. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you, yeah, but at the same time, do you, does he do more harm than good? Like I said, he's been doing okay in spring training this season, but he hasn't shown that he can really cut it on a full season basis so we'll see what that happens i would i would probably end up going with, i'm not as confident i think as everybody else that andy's going to be up Sooner rather than later in Pittsburgh. I don't know that I want to be waiting on him that long. If anything, I believe that Bo Naylor will end up being up in Cleveland before Andy is in Pittsburgh. I agree with you, though. I'm probably avoiding Joey Bart, but I probably swap the two, Bo and Andy, just because I think Bo will end up being up sooner and I will. I will happily stream Andy if I can actually get him because I won't be able to get him. That's the thing. When he does get called up, if he's not rostered already, he will be more difficult to fab. He'll be more difficult to roster because he is being drafted at a regular rate. But I do believe Zunino in Cleveland is not somebody that is going to be blocking somebody when Cleveland finally realizes that Bonella is ready to go. And he's obviously not ready to go at 100%. They sent him down for a reason. He needs a little bit more seasoning. He's not the best catcher out there, but he has the catcher eligibility. That's all I care about in fantasy. And that if he can actually come up and put up, he's going to steal bases where most other catchers are not going to be doing that. You're not going to get that stat out of that category or out of that. And he's still got pop in his bat. So I'm not saying he's going to go 20-20, but if he comes up later on in the spring or early summer and he can go 15 in each category throughout the rest of the season, I'm going to be very happy camper there. And I'm also saying this because I have drafted Bo Naylor in a gladiator or two. And obviously those were drafted a long time ago without knowings, but I literally have to keep him. All year round so that's why he's my keeper there all right let's go to corner infield and Scott we'll go to Cincinnati we have third baseman Spencer Steer looks like he is the starting everyday third baseman in Cincinnati and who else is going to play that position at least that is currently on the roster Brett Beatty doing okay for himself as well for the Mets and then everybody's favorite corner infielder prospect that we've been talking about all offseason is Matt Mervis, who now seems to be blocked by a couple of different players that the Cubs have brought in. So again, Spencer Steer, Brett Beatty, Matt Mervis, I ask you, what positions are you putting them in?
2: I really wish I could be doing this for Dynasty and Keeper, but you're making it really <laughs> difficult for just 2023. I And while you were just doing that little intro for Corner Infielders, I just changed my letters around. And this is, I'm not going to get killed on this one as much as I'm going to get killed on the middle infielders, but I'm going to avoid Brett Beatty. I'm going to stream Matt Mervis and I'm going to keep Spencer Steer for this year.
1: I'm, I don't want to say I'm a fan of Steer, but I did put five bucks on him to win NL Rookie of the Year because he had really good odds. I know he's going to play every day. The volume is going to be there and rookies of the year have been won through volume in the past, but tell me why, what kind of confidence level do you have in Steers production to know that you are going to keep him over the other two all year round and he's not going to hurt you?
2: It's what you just said, the frequency. If he's playing almost every day, that's going to warrant the keeper in redraft for me. Beatty's going to get enough time, but for me, there are others in that organization, in that lineup that can take the PT away. And I just think that to have Mervis on the roster as a streaming option, I'm not confident in the other two first basemen the Cubs brought in. And Mervis just killed it in A last year, and he's ready. So that's why I want him on my roster.
1: Yeah, I can see somebody swapping Steer Mervis and saying, hey, you know what? Because of the success that Mervis has shown, not only in AAA, but also in the AFL that everybody was talking about, that you know what, I'll keep him on roster, I'll take the dead weight for the first couple of weeks of the season until he forces the issue and kind of pushes one of those other guys out of the way. And then I've got him all season long. And I'm pretty confident he's going to be putting up the numbers that are going to be beneficial. Whereas if you have a little bit more concern about Steer and his swing and miss and his hole in his swing and actually being detrimental in a different, yes, he's going to volume his way into things. He's playing in Cincinnati. Gun to my head, I'm doing. I'm probably putting these guys in the same position as you did. I'll probably end up keeping Steer, but I understand. And I'll stream Mervis if I can, but I could understand wanting to keep Mervis just because I think he's going to be. If you think he's going to be more positive to your end-of-season stat line, even if you're going to be missing some time at the beginning. All right, we have... We're going to move on to your middle infielders, so I'm curious to see where you're going to go in this direction, as you alluded to having a little bit more trouble picking these guys. Michael Massey in Kansas City looks to be the starting second baseman for the Royals going into 2023 Royce Lewis in Minnesota is going to miss some time early on. And then obviously not the shortstop of the future anymore in Minnesota, going to have to be forced to play different positions, but still eligible in the middle infield here. And then Addison Barger in Toronto did not make the cut that we talked about earlier, still in, in Dunedin with a major league team in spring training. What kind what position, how do you feel about these three guys?
2: I changed these around two just a second ago. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> have it any other way. Massey was our prospect 1500 second baseman prospect of the year coming out of 2021, which was pretty cool. And as you said, he's pretty much locked down their second base job. He puts up some good numbers. He's very solid and he's my keeper. I'm keeping him in my lineup. I really like Addison. I think it's Barger or I don't know. Yeah, I think
1: you're right. It's Barger.
2: I like him a lot. And I saw him play for the Fisher Cats in Manchester. I saw them through Hartford. He's one of my favorite guys to take a sneaky in season claim last year in some dynasty leagues. But I'm avoiding him. I just don't know when he could be up this year. I just don't feel as confident. In him being on the major league roster like I do for someone like Bo Naylor or Matt Mervis. So I'm avoiding Barger and I am streaming Royce Lewis because I I am a believer. I have to give a shout out to my friend Tanner at Mox13 on Twitter. One of the biggest Twins fans. I'm representing them in Boise, Idaho. And he's a huge Lewis fan. So I'm streaming Lewis for Tanner. And those are my three decisions for middle infielders.
1: Man, it was this was tough for me too, just because I'm a I've become a Barger believer, Barger Barger, excuse me. There you um, go. and I want to I get the concern the fact that the Blue Jays have been moving him around during spring training. He's been playing some outfield. He's eligible at shortstop, though he's not a not really a shortstop. He can pick it at second base as well. The fact that he has the ability to play these multiple positions, and that Toronto is moving him around. Tells me, and he's still in camp, that they have plans for him being either up at opening day now or first man up in case of major injury. That kind of opens up and opens up some playing time. Now they call him up because of an injury. Does that mean he gets everyday playing time? No, obviously not. So there's a concern there. But it would be Barger. My more interested in being a streamer than Lewis, where. I I can be a believer in Lewis's talent. That that's never going to be a question. It's, I if I question how much Barger's is going to play when he gets the call, I you have to question how much Lewis is going to play. Not because of talent, but because everybody, just like his counterpart in center field, Byron Buxton in Minnesota, how often is he going to play? Because they want to keep him on the field when for a long period of time. So I do worry, obviously, about any kind of injury concerns with Lewis in how that's going to affect his game moving forward as well. So it's going to be harder for me to stream Lewis just because I'm not, I don't know what the kind of playing time is going to be there as well. I do believe that if Toronto does call barger up, it's going to be because there's an opening and that he will be able to get some playing time, at least in short order. And as long as he's not striking out, continuing to strike out in the high twenties as he was, but that has gotten better throughout the course of the minors as well. He at least has been working on it. It would be nice to see that kind of power boost in, especially in Toronto, which has now become great Canadian small park, with the fences that are moving around in there as well.
2: I like your I like your keeping uh,
1: still keeping Massey. Uh, yeah, I agree yeah. with keeping Massey, but I would stream Streaming Barger.
2: Streaming Barger and avoiding Royce. Okay, I hear you.
1: And a massey will be a target of mine in one draft I'm in the middle of right now that I still don't have a second baseman. And so it's one of those situations. I did a draft a couple of weeks ago where oh I realized, oh, I didn't pick a third baseman. So now I am going to draft four third basemen. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> one of them does something for me in the first couple of weeks and I can and start paring down in fab after that. I think I'm going to do the same thing in this league with second base and Massey will be, I'll just go back to back second baseman, Matt be in that bunch as long as I get to that point in the draft before anybody listens to this. All right, let's uh we have two more here. We have outfielders and pitchers. Let's just finish out the hitters here with the outfielder section. In Detroit, we have Carrie Carpenter. It looks like he's gonna be on the opening day roster. Not sure how often he will play, if he'll be in a platoon or if he will play every day in that outfield there. That also has some dimensions being adjusted in Detroit. We have Kyle Stowers in Baltimore, who already had adjustments to their wall made last year. I don't under, I don't necessarily know his status for opening day. I don't think he'll be on the opening day roster. They do have a lot of mouths to feed in Baltimore. And then Milwaukee's Sal Frelick almost a guarantee not to be on the opening day roster. So these, there's a little bit of a flux as far as how much playing time all these guys are going to get with their respective clubs, at least out of the gate. How uh, I'm assuming that'll play a little bit into your decision-making process, but order did you put these guys in?
2: Yeah, this was probably the easiest group for me. I just need to see more minor league seasoning for Freilich coming off the, the WBC. And I think he's amazing. I love his hit tool. I'm just going to avoid him for 2023. I'm going to stream Kerry Carpenter with the potential platoon job there. I think with Akil Badu and keep Kyle Stowers. I, he's going to be with the Orioles, I think for most of the year, even if he's not on opening day, but he's my keeper.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly how I put these guys for the same, similar reason. It's again, we're talking about redraft. We're talking about 2023 only. Mm-hmm. It's really what it comes down to is, they have to do so much more if they're going to miss a long period of time. And I agree. I don't think, I think Relic's not, is going to take, a little bit of time. I think Milwaukee's going to slow play that a little bit. They've got a lot of young outfielders that they are coming up through their system. Some of them better than others. Obviously we have Jackson Churio coming up as well. We don't expect to see him for the majority of the season, if at all. Though I wouldn't be surprised to see Churio come up in the same vein that Corbin Carroll did and they come up just enough time where he keeps rookie eligibility, but they get a little bit more. They get a taste of them in the major leagues at the end of the season. The new version of the cup of coffee, if you will. Yeah, I worry about Carpenter's splits as well, But if you can play that right in the new dimensions in Detroit are being helpful to everybody, then we'll see how that plays throughout the course of April. But I would want to play him based on matchups for sure for volume. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know enough about Stowers. I almost didn't put him on this list because I didn't know what else to say about him. But I do what I do understand is that he is an outfielder of their future. And if they if he's up, he's going to be playing on a regular basis. Yes. All right, let's move over to the pitchers. I only did one group of pitchers here, so we'll close it out with these guys. And all of these guys, again, these are very similar to the outfield where one one of them is on the major league roster. Um, more than likely opening day, the other one's fighting for a spot and the other one has already been sent down to, but we do expect him to get some volume. And I'll start with that. That's Bobby Miller in Los Angeles for the Dodgers. He's already been sent down. He's not in spring training anymore, at least not for the Dodgers. We have Brandon fought over in Arizona who could still, you could still say that he is fighting for that number five spot in their rotation with Ryan Nelson and Dre Jameson. And then Luis Ortiz in Pittsburgh could be considered their number six guy in the rotation, which more than likely puts him at least on the major league team, unless they do the same thing they did with Rosie Contreras last year and whatever, send them back down to Indianapolis just because. So a lot of question marks. Pitchers, there's always question marks. There's always 10 stap as well. You don't, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. I don't know how much you adhere to that, but what would, this is 2023 redraft only. What direction would you be going with these guys? This
2: is the probably the easiest one for me, even though I said that about the last one. I didn't make any changes on my first notations for this. You said Bobby Miller was sent down to minor league camp. I don't know a lot myself about Bobby Miller. I would defer to our Dodgers correspondent and futures focus co-host Nate Eckert at GQ underscore 82, and uh, he's a big Bobby Miller fan, but I'm avoiding Miller. I am going to stream. Is it stream or stash?
1: I you could it could be either one. It's an S, but okay. usually it's stream. I'm that going way. to
2: S. I'm going to S. Luis Ortiz because <laughs> yes, I know he's going to be with the team and he's going to have some role for Pittsburgh. And Brandon Fott is my keeper. He whether he makes the roster out of camp and was with them opening day in the fifth spot in the rotation, or whether he's up. You know, in April or May he's still a stud and he's my keeper.
1: Yeah, I agree with thought for sure. I've already drafted him in a couple places and I will definitely be stashing him on my roster in even in an NFBC format where you don't have like NA spots or IL spots. He will be up in short order. I believe he will be the quote first man up when there is an injury. I'm sorry. I'm not trying I'm not rooting for injuries, but they just, they are part of the game, especially in rotations. They will happen. And he has just been absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, You've heard of all this stuff about Brandon Fott, how well he did in the PCL of all places, just really tearing it up in a very f- hitter friendly environment throughout the course of AAA last season. And he's, he's impressing during spring training as I would probably be avoiding Ortiz if for no other reason, even though I think Pittsburgh is going to be better than maybe some believe. I have no trust in most starting pitchers in Pittsburgh actually providing value to my team, even in a streaming capacity. So I would probably be streaming Bobby Miller, assuming that he will be up even in a spot start capacity at some point throughout the course of the year. So I would probably be picking him up off the wire, even if it's a good matchup in his first spot start, even spending a little bit of extra fab that I m- might normally do for a streamer, just be based on his history and the talent that he brings to the thing, to the field in the Dodgers' experience in bringing up pitchers and putting them in situations for them to succeed and succeed very well. So obviously they do have, they don't have as much depth at the major league level as they've had in the past but they have plenty of youth starting pitchers coming up Um, between Grove and Miller and Pepio, who already put in plenty of innings last year as well. So they do have a lot of options coming up. So I think Bobby Miller will be one of them. And so I'll be happy to stream him throughout the course of the season when that opportunity arises. Sounds good. All right, Scott, thank you, man, for coming on and talking to some prospects, some stashes, if you will, stashing season. It is stashing season early on and often especially if you play in an nfpc the stashing doesn't usually last as long as you would like it to because you're usually injuries happen and you've got to use those bench spots for players that are actually going to play but if you're playing in yahoo or cbs or espn and you've got extra bench spots you've got those na spots it's always a fun it's always good to know who you should be looking at in different capacities based on what the rest of your roster is so i appreciate you talking about some of these players i think would be really useful in those scenarios talk to me about, or tell every else. Anything else that Prospects 1500 is working on now that your aggregated list is out? And then if you have any secret plans on how you're going to beat Toolshed in the next round of the of the bracketology.
2: All right. Yes. Thanks again. It's been great being on with you, Adam. Just follow Prospects 1500 at Prospects 1500 on Twitter. Website is Prospects1500.com. We have regular content being pushed out, if not daily, several times a week. Alex and Nate are doing a great job on Futures Focus. They, they're they doing an episode at least once a week. We just dropped a bonus episode because they said they were going to do a bonus mm-hmm. episode if we beat you guys. And so we actually published a bonus episode, Bust Busters, which dropped earlier this morning. And you'll be talking to those guys a little later. And what else did I want to mention? Oh, what right now we've got going on is a really cool player profile series where we kind of project players that are going to be on certain minor league teams at some point during the year. We're working with the Hartford Yard Goats, the Portland Sea Dogs, the Biloxi Shuckers, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies will be starting up soon. And we may get a couple of, uh, installments from the Somerset Patriots. We're just not sure if that's happening yet, but it's something we do every year with several teams and that's on Twitter and Facebook and, and sometimes on the minor league teams websites as well. But that's what we're doing. Follow us. And, and you can find me on Twitter at Scotty underscore ballgame, And would love to interact with as many people as we can. And if you're listening to this episode before the big vote, Number three, futures focus against number two, toolshed. Please give us the vote. I'm not going to be so kind and say, "Oh, they're great. Vote- <laughs> we-, we don't need the-, the Eric and Chris are awesome. So vote for them." No, vote for us, please, because we need the votes and we want to take down the number two
1: monster. That would be quite. That would be quite the thing. Toolshed's pretty. They're pretty new podcasts in general. So the obviously. Chris and Eric do a great job of what they do. Chris Clegg, our dynasty a manager here at PitcherList, as well. Obviously, they do a great job.
2: Awesome guys. They yeah. do a I'm great all, job, and it's all about who you know, number two.
1: It's all about who you know, not what you know. That's how life works. All right, Scott, thank you, man, for joining me here today. Hopefully everybody got a lot out of it and you can utilize that in their final drafts coming into March. Next week, we will be starting up our first actual FAB episode, our in-season episodes, where we actually make recommendations for who you should be making up in FAB because FAB is next week, believe it or not. For those who have been following along all season, we're finally at a point where you've got to start considering spending that that fab money. So make sure you're uh, tuning in next week as well. Make sure you're following Scott on the Twitter at Scotty underscore Ballgame. Should already be following the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. Right after you give us a rating and review, five stars would be really appreciated, of course. And that's gonna wrap it up for episode 107 of On The Wire. I'd like to once again thank our guest Scott Green for joining us. After all that, I am Adam Howe. On behalf of Kevin Hastings, thanks for listening, and we bid you goodbye.